Hello, welcome back to China Manufacturing Decoded from the Sophist Group. Adrian from the team here and Renault's back with me again. Hello, Renault. Hey, how are you doing? Hi, everybody. I'm well. I hope all the listeners are well as well. Yeah, uh, but recently got back from China. I was just talking about this with Andrew last week, actually. And it's a bit of a change in pace when you go from Asia to Europe, as I'm sure you're aware. Sure, is. that's for sure. That's for sure. I feel that also. I'm, I'm in Europe uh, <laughs> at this time and uh, everything is extremely slow. I mean, especially in the summer, a lot of people are taking a holiday try to do something with the the government here and ah oh, just takes forever got to love that bureaucracy yeah you're absolutely right uh, but could be worse places to be in the summer that's for sure it's certainly a lot cooler wow it was hot in china isn't it so uh it's definitely a bit right. a little bit cooler here in the uk uh, i'm not missing the extreme heat it was super hot when i was in uh Guangdong and also in Shanghai. Wow. So look out for that if you're traveling to China soon. But anyway, so this week then, we're talking about what it means to partner, and I'm using air quotes, with a Chinese factory. I, I guess a little bit of introduction to this would be, you know, if you're coming to China, you want to find manufacturers that you can count on, that, that are reliable. And maybe as a, let's say, Western importer, you'll be thinking, okay, if I find this good manufacturer, we need to sort of strike up some kind of a partnership. Uh, is that is that the way of thinking that people normally have? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, on the buyer side, there is clearly an awareness that if you keep changing from one supplier to the other, to the to the next, to the next, to the next... It's going to create enormous demands on your time. You're going to keep having to fly there and meet with them and and push them on this and that. And you're going to have, you know, you're going to keep running into issues and so on. So it's clear that it's important to have, you know, a stable supplier base, right? So in in the buyer's mind, we need to pick someone that we can count on for a while, right? For the for the mid to long term. Yeah. Um, but then when they say we want to partner, you know, that in itself doesn't mean anything, right? It, it, it kind of expresses the the idea that it's going to be for the mid to long term. We're not just coming to, uh, uh, you know, to do a one-shot uh, deal and then we disappear, right? That's, that's all it means. But then people kind of imagine all kinds of things like, Oh, we're partners in this business, blah, blah, blah. You know, we um you you give me that, I will give you that over the long run, and so on and so forth. And this is where a lot of the disconnect comes from, right? Mm. Um on on the supplier side, when they say we want to partner with you, um actually <laughs> most of the time, Chinese people heard that many, many times from many buyers. And they say, okay, buyers like this idea. So we're just going to tell them, hey, we want to partner with you. And they're going to like it, right? And really, in most cases, there's nothing more to it than that, <laughs> okay? Mm-hmm. Um, and when they hear a buyer say, hey, I want to partner, I don't want to partner, you know, they've heard it from people who truly want to, to have one supply, one single source for the long run, 
just rely on them, treat them well, and so on. They've also heard it from other people who wanted to kind of abuse them, you know, push them around and, oh, come on, give me a little price, give me this, give me that. We partner together. We'll mm. make a million bucks uh, a month out of that. And then, da, 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 you know, we'll order many, many containers after two years and so on, right? Mm-hmm. So just the fact that one party says it actually in the end doesn't mean anything. Really, that's uh, that's kind of what I found. Right. Okay. So that, that, that's why it's, it's an interesting topic because different parties kind of understand it in different ways right. or maybe they just say it without really meaning anything, right? So that is it, it, good to know. I mean, this is sort of an episode for people who are starting to, to buy from China. Yeah. And um, if you if you say that, every five sentences well maybe you're coming off as someone who's sort of playing a game actually just um using that term a a bit too much Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, okay so if we break it down Mm -hmm. there's different situations right there's the situation where I'm a buyer. I, I have an idea for a product that I want to develop, da, 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 right? On my own, and I will own all of the intellectual property rights. And I need some help from a manufacturer, maybe to, to finish the development of the product, to bring it into production, and to keep producing it. All right. This is what we call contract manufacturing, right? The buyer invests pays for the product development, owns the intellectual property rights, has the right to move the product to uh, different manufacturers, right? So the buyer is in control. And on a contract basis, they um, select the manufacturer. So you, you might say, okay, it's a contractual. It's not really a partnership. Well, wait a minute. A good partnership is based on the contract anyway, right? Mm. So... It, it it sounds like you're kind of holding the manufacturer at, at harm's length and saying, okay, well, we do this with you, but you know, maybe we we cultivate a backup factory in case you you mess up. We we we, got, we want to keep a lot of things uh, visible to us so that we can check what you're doing and so on and so forth. Mm. That's what I call the basis for a good partnership, right? Trust but verify. As long as everybody performs, keep going. But when one of the parties stops performing and creates a lot of issues, the other party has the the, the ability to to move uh, to move elsewhere. Right. Yeah. That's that's what I call a good partnership. But maybe I'm you know. Uh, anyway, um, so when the buyer has done all this investment and it's their own product and everything, that's the kind of partnership that makes sense. Okay, mm. you define clearly. This is the performance level, right? This is the the, the quality standard for the product. This is the, uh, the the lead time for production, and you confirm it every time. And if you delay for too long, then there starts to be some penalties. Uh, you can't subcontract. You can't da da da. Right. So all of that that we covered in a previous episode about manufacturing agreement and. China business lawyers know how to put this kind of agreement together, right? Yeah. And a lot of the terms come back and they're kind of more or less the same. So that's in the context of contract manufacturing. 
So it's partnership, yeah, based on a contract, based on a clear definition of who has to do what, right? Who's who's accountable for what? What are the the, the penalties? Uh, what about the you know the case of a breach of contract and so on and so forth? Mm-hmm. And yeah, this is what uh, buyers who want a certain amount of control want. And typically, again, that's when they they want to develop their own product. Okay, they really mm-hmm. want to own it. Okay, now let's take the opposite. Right. I'm starting, let's say I'm I'm starting in my bedroom and I'm like, okay, this looks cool, you know, on Amazon and, and whatever. I can have my Shopify account and my website and I can do some e-commerce sales and da da da. I'm just gonna buy something that already exists. Okay. And this is a very, very different situation. It's a ODM, we call it original design manufacturing. So you work with an ODM supplier that is has some products already developed. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm careful not to say that they have, themselves have designed and developed, because in many cases is not the case. Is not true. Is one of their customers. But anyway, you go to them maybe in their showroom or on the, the Canton Fair or just on Alibaba or wherever. You see photos. They send you some samples. Okay, you see a sample. You say, okay, this is nice. I want it in that color and the packaging will show this information with this artwork. Mm. And this is my branding and and that's it, right? This is really private labeling. People call it often, right? Just buying something off the shelf uh, with very minimal kind of customization. Just maybe I wanted that color. I want that kind of packaging, right? I want whatever. I want the fit to be in rubber, uh, not 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 in that kind of plastic, right? Very small uh, customizations like this. Will, will, yeah. To me, it's it's still very very clearly the supplier's product, okay? Or maybe it's the the product of another one of the you know customers, and they are messing behind that customer's back. But it's very hard for you to know. I mean, I, I really encourage you to do a bit of research, uh, do a Google res- um, what do they call it reverse image search and yes. things like yeah. that. You just drag and drop it. Yeah, to see where that, you know, the same kind of image, you know, is appearing. So you can see, oh, okay, the same product is already on sale over there, right? Mm. And then you you can ask the supplier, hey, what's going on here? Uh, Is this really your product? What's going on, right? So in this configuration, you are going to distribute the product. You don't have any ownership of the product. Maybe you... You make a deal with the supplier saying, hey, okay, you sell it in Europe, you sell it in in USA, in Canada already. Okay, no problem. I'm just going to sell it in Australia and New Zealand. And I just, you know, I just want you to give me the exclusivity over that, these these markets. And on my side, you will see, I'll make a lot of, (laughs) you know, I'll buy a lot of products, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's going to be thousands and then, uh, next year, I think overall I can buy twenty thousand pieces. Da da da. Right. So as long as both parties are happy with the setup, you can keep going and going and going. Right. Mm-hmm. And in that case, you are building your business on that product that you don't own, and the manufacturer can put it away and like stop production for you anytime. Right. They can just refuse your orders. Usually, you don't have a contract that's very that has a lot of specific requirements um it, very often it's sort of uh, 
PO to PO kind of business. There's no there's no frame agreement we see like and and, and by the way it's a mistake. Uh, it's, it's not very good for protecting the buyer. But in many cases, we see the, the clients that come to us because they have issues in this kind of setup, but they don't have a contract. And then it's like, okay, now what, what do we do with the supplier, right? They, they send us um, products that have, I don't know, uh, 10 to 20% defectives. Wow. And there's a lot of bad reviews. What do we do, right? Uh, or maybe they, their product that we picked is not reliable, not durable. So it looks good when I play with it a bit, but I, I, as soon as I start to abuse it a bit, it breaks. Or like some users tell us that there's such and such problems with the product. Um, there's a design issue basically with the product, right? Mm. So who's responsible? I mean, obviously, if the product is the supplier's product, the supplier is accountable for all these reliability issues, right? But they might not agree with it, <laughs> right? Or they might not think they're accountable. Yep. Remember, you're just distributing their product. You are totally reliant on them, right? You're just a distribution channel to them. Mm. And maybe they have a good, another good customer, maybe in the USA. And then if, they, if they, they cut you out, maybe the USA customer will also start to sell on your product, uh, on your market. And then in the end, you know, they don't need you, right? In many cases, that's what it comes down to. So here... What does it mean to partner with the with the manufacturer? You have to show them, okay, I'm going to build this. I'm going to, I have these skills in um, internet marketing and e-commerce. I'm going to do this. I know the, the market I'm going after. And um, this is my sort of my plan for the, 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 the order quantity, right? So maybe the first time the supplier might sell you something below the minimum order quantity, but maybe you have to do with uh, the same color as another one of their customers. So it all comes from the same batch or whatever, right? Maybe you pay a small surcharge or maybe they make an effort. They absorb it themselves. This is sort of their end of the, the partnership, right? Could be at the beginning, keep you happy with a smaller order. And they, they put a little bit of effort in putting together the, the packaging that you need. And, and, uh, and that, you know, and maybe little bit of effort on the price and maybe on the lead time, you know, these kind of things to make it easier for you. But then don't make the mistake of thinking that, you know, as long as you sell, you know, they would be happy. They are expecting something in return. I mean, that's really a constant. When you deal with Chinese counterparties, you ask them to make an effort. There is a tacit but very, very clear expectation that, they can call the favor back, mm -hmm. right? So, yeah, I mean, the most common issue is complaints from customers about quality and reliability, right? Well, they're going to say, yeah, well, well, you know, they're going to expect you not to be too picky about it, right? That's the return the favor thing. But for you, if you if you want a four and a half, five-star review average on Amazon, you, you, you can deal with that. That doesn't work, Right. You, this is just kidding your business. But the, the, on the Chinese side, this sort of partnership idea is just going to kill you because they, they are not going to make any effort because they, they made some effort already at the beginning. It has them for extra effort, but hey, stop. You know, when you order tens of thousands of pieces every time, then we can talk about that. But right now you're still a very small customer. Why are you bothering us? Mm -hmm. Right. 
So that that's the understanding of partnership on both sides, right? You can see there can be a bit of a disconnect. Right? Yeah, also, yeah. In, in that case, the ODM, uh, private label kind of approach, the problem is in many cases, there's no, uh, there's no contract, as I mentioned. And the problem with that is, yeah, as I said, business is done from PO to PO. There's no contract. When there's issues, yeah, let's just talk about it. And like, there's no, there's no rush to solve them, right? Yeah, we're like in a long-term partnership, you know, long-term relationship is fine. Yeah, there's going to be a few issues. No worries, right? Well, you on your side might be thinking, damn, I have people who keep complaining, leaving bad reviews. Uh, I need to send some, um, some, some, uh, you know, I get some returns. I need to send some other products to replace. This is costing mm-hmm. me a lot of money mm-hmm. and a lot of time. We need to fix that now, right? But the, the fact that you left it open just because you thought, and this is really something that comes up very, very often in um, people's minds when they start to buy from China. If I force them to sign a contract, you know, that is enforceable in a court of law and that has all these like scary wording it's clearly not going to be a partnership. I'm kind of pushing them around. They, you know, I'm I'm destroying any goodwill. Mm. <laughs> well, guess what? It's better to do that up front. And they are more used to getting contracts than than you think. Mm. Probably more used than you. So this should be just a, a basic business, you know, preventive measure to, to prevent problems uh, that it's just a normal way of doing business. And mm. it is the case from a lot of buyers, probably most buyers by now. I'm not sure. Most buyers above a certain amount of, of, of business, for sure. And suppliers are getting more and more used to it. So 20 mm. years ago, yeah, right. You, you ask them to, to sign a contract that's in Chinese, enforceable in a court of law and everything. They might get a bit scared, right? But 2023, no problem. Mm. Go ahead, do it. If they act like they are, you know, shocked, it's just an act, right? And actually, mm. you should just mention all this at the very beginning when you start to, to, to get in touch with them. Hey, this is the way I work, and I do this, and I do this, and I do this, right? We, we, we did a podcast episode way back mm-hmm. about the, the basic terms to negotiate i forget the number maybe we can put it in the, yes in the show yeah notes. i will do <laughs> okay thanks uh, but really you 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 get in touch with people and you say okay and um, i'm interested in this product by the way this is the way i work da, 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 da. you know black and white and you get them to confirm yeah yeah you know there's no problem let's talk mm. after that you don't feel so much pressure to sort of try to accommodate them. You have your own process and they accepted it, right? And they would also feel it's a bit more difficult to push back on something they already accepted, right? Then they can say maybe that this term and this term in the contract are not reasonable, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's different, right? But the, the whole idea of not sending a contract to a supplier just because, oh, we're going to do it, do this as partners, you know, we mm. we both put like all our energy into it and it would just work and we all make a lot of money assuming that the other side is going to think that way not only today 
during the big meeting and the big dinner, you know, next to the factory and, and, mm. and so on, when everybody's feeling good, but also in two months, in five months, in one year, in two years, that's a very big assumption. In most cases, it's really not the case, right? Yeah. In the U.S., there's the, not just the U.S., but there's some books like uh, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or something like that, right, from uh, Stephen Covey uh, and some other books that say, you know, win-win, you know, cultivate the win-win situations. Try to find ways to to enlarge the pie. Try to find ways to, to make all parties benefit, uh, right, so that when there's a deal, you just grow the pie. There's a lot of negotiating books about that, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Um, kind of negotiating books that assume that the other party is a rational party that reasons the same way as you and is open about their um, <laughs> their 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 objectives and their challenges and everything that doesn't work well in China. They have a very different culture, uh, a different very different way of negotiating, very different way of really seeing. Um, how to say, analyzing a relationship, right? It's much more about win-lose, who's winning, who's losing. But this whole idea of win-win, um, again, they know that Western people, especially in North America, like that idea very much, and they will say it. Let's do a win-win, and let's do a win-win-win, and stuff like that. I see it all the time. <laughs> but before you do that, you have to do the basics. You know what are the what are the performance criteria? What are the the you know the quality standard, the lead time, and the penalties for for late deliveries, and all these kinds of things, mm-hmm. right? Is all of this okay? These are the basics. Before you start to think about all this other nice uh, touchy feely stuff, right? Because this win win thinking usually doesn't really permeate deeply into the you know the the, the way that people think at the factory. Even though they might speak it, but they might not really uh, act by it and really believe it deeply, right? Mm-hmm. Anyway, that a lot of people have found that. So, so that's really a warning when you think about partnership and win-win and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What yeah. exactly are the understanding, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, you're absolutely right. Uh, unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, everybody's different. And Chinese people in general, they're kind of wired differently to people mm. from the West. And it's not, it's not wrong or, or, or a negative. It's just a difference. So I think it probably comes from culturally and the society there. So I do understand why people want to throw terms like partnership around and, and having a good, I think maybe a good relationship is a better way to think about this, isn't it? Like yes. if you're worried about, I'm, I'm, am I asking too much by asking my manufacturer to sign a manufacturing agreement that basically just means that everybody's going to behave in a professional way? Am I asking too much? Is it going to upset them? Well, they're still getting your business. And if you do go to China as well and meet them and periodically go to visit them and other suppliers or whoever, you know, that's going to maybe counteract this because they're going to see that this this customer is engaged with us. They come to see us. They want to see what's going on. They, you know, they're happy to go out for a dinner and <laughs> drink a load of Baijiu or whatever, right? Yeah, so. Right. Uh, and and just because you've got a contract with them, if they see that you're engaged and you know working with you is 
effective and that your orders are coming in as mm. promised, etc. Maybe the contract is or the agreement is not such a negative thing for sure. Right. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree with that. And as you say, just focus on keeping a good relationship. And you need to understand, okay, what is this manufacturer? Okay, how are they working? What are they used to? Right. So because of the typical ODM or OEM uh, Chinese supplier, they will have a working. You come to a company like Agilian or contract manufacturing facility, quite different, right? Uh, things are set up in a very, very different way. And we tend to work with different kinds of um, of customers, right? So first you need to understand that. And then simple things, right? When is their peak season? <laughs> If you can give them orders when it's their low season, they will totally love it. And you can bargain for better pricing and everything. Basically, if you can help them cover their fixed expenses and keep their their keep their their, their staff during the low season, they, they will really love it, right? Or if, mm. you, if so that, that that's the case, for example, the like if you sell barbecues in Australia, let's say, well the seasonality is going to be totally different from the barbecues in the Northern Hemisphere, right? Because mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't sell many barbecues in November in the US, right? No. You sell a lot in May, for example. But it's the opposite in Australia, I'm pretty sure. And same thing for a lot of other products, right? There's, there is seasonality. Basically, ask for some ideas, so, so, some information to see how they work, what is interesting to them, what are their challenges, right? And sometimes you can maybe level the amount of product you order right so for example in toys toys is extremely seasonal so right very very busy let's say from may to august and then <laughs> they all wonder why these suppliers you know keep hiring some some um uh, part-time like um how to say co- contract workers and why they subcontract and why they do all these these wild things and why do you do so many overtime hours and everything? Well, it comes from you, the buyers, right? It, it's all about responsible purchasing, which is a topic we discussed a few episodes ago. Hmm. Um, if you have responsible purchasing practices, maybe you make an effort to manage your cash in a way so that you can level the amount of orders, maybe all year long. Some companies, not many companies, but some companies are doing that. And usually, yes, they have to manage their cash appropriately. But then hmm. I can tell you, they don't, they don't take all the all the same excuses as the others, right? They say, no, no, wait, wait a minute. We give you the same amount of production all year long. I don't want to hear about all these excuses, right? Because of your older customers that give you a, a crazy peak season. I don't want to hear about it. You know, you have to perform that way and that's it. Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, the manufacturers do not want them to go away. They really want these customers to stick because mm-hmm. if this customer goes away, then the whole economics of the factory is totally upside down. Right. So understand where they come from, um, the, the, the specifics about their situation, what, 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 what challenges, you know, and what, what, what they really value. OK. Um, and of course, again, all the basics. Right. If they if they are small, don't start to push them to make huge, huge orders. If they are big, don't give them very small orders. Right. This is just not a good fit on, in terms of volume. Payments, make sure you pay on time 
you know, some of these factories, they're very tight on cash uh, at certain times of the year. Maybe you don't pay on time. They don't pay their suppliers on time. It triggers some maybe delivery delays and then it kind of snowballs into much bigger issues later on, mm. right? So be careful with that. When you develop a product, give them the uh, the okay, or at least the, the comments, the, the, the validation on the samples relatively fast. Don't just disappear for two weeks and say, oh yeah, I was traveling, sorry, or I was on holiday. Like I forgot to tell you, you know, Next time you push them, they're gonna think, well, you push me and then you you ask me for to 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 do nothing for two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. Well, basically, it has to be a fair relationship that's balanced in terms of what you take and, and what you give, right? It's got to look that way because what is fair, okay, the, the, the concept of fairness is very, very important in China. Okay. So be fair. And they will like you for that, mm. basically, mm. right? Don't, yeah, don't do crazy things like cancel shipments at the last last moment or things like that. Don't play games. Uh, respect their their level of technical ability. Don't don't try to push them to do things that they can't do, right? And then sort of blame them for uh, <laughs> for for blowing the. The milestones, the the, the timelines. Mm-hmm. Just just be reasonable and fair. Good communication. All of this helps a ton. Helps a ton. And sometimes, yeah, go there face to face meetings. Mm-hmm. Make sure everything you know the, the hot topics are on the table. Everybody agrees on how to deal with them. There's a plan. There's good communication. There's good follow up. This is good. Mm-hmm. You keep the relationship healthy. Yeah. count on them proactively to say well you know we're a partner in this business we're, we're going to do our best and we're going to we're going to push the buyer to make the right decisions and things like that no 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 they don't see your side of the business they don't really understand it don't count on them for that mm-hmm. communication is so important mm-hmm. yeah this is a, this is a really good sort of exploration of relationships with the chinese manufacturer and what the what the sort of concept of partnership does or doesn't really mean and i think what we're learning from what you're talking about is the making efforts to cultivate a good but professional relationship is worth maybe a lot more than than trying to say to a potential or, or a manufacturer you know yeah we're going to become partners and we'll grow together and you know ultimately what does that actually mean so i think that the the points that you've made about building uh, mutually you know, respectful and reliable relationship, it, it, it is clearly more helpful. Yeah, right. And I mean, watch your, your track record, right? If, uh, I remember, for example, company that it was in the, let's say in fashion, I would just say that, mm-hmm. with different styles every season. And they would fly to the Canton Fair and, and to the, you know, meet with whatever, someone like in the showrooms in Hong Kong and so on. And they would say, okay, I like this, I like this, I like this, you know, change the color like this, change this like this and so on. And they would have some of their own uh, products too. And they would really pit the suppliers once, one against the other, or when it's the supplier's own product, they would really try to to squeeze the margin out of them 
in in an amazing way um yeah. and the suppliers never knew from one season to the next you know they might do one container now and then next season maybe three containers and then nothing um and it was clear that it was all based on price okay so then uh i remember the crisis of um 2008 2009 hit them and this buyer was in a difficult situation he said okay 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 instead of working with 20 different suppliers let's pick let's say two suppliers for this product category two for this and three for this one and they're going to be you know key suppliers and we're going to partner up with them <laughs> well mm-hmm. the suppliers saw them coming and they oh you know want to partner with a few suppliers blah, blah. of course suppliers say yeah yeah of course sure but then the suppliers were thinking wait a minute is this another trick to extract more profit right mm. to to kick my prices even lower so the suppliers were actually really on their back foot they really um they were careful about that right because of the bad track record of the buyer so your track record is very important and sometimes in the same industry especially the same city different manufacturers you know they will talk to each other oh yeah you have this mm. customer yeah me too blah 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 oh yeah i have all these problems with them blah blah oh really whoa okay i got to be careful right this happens a lot so your track record with one supplier might actually hit you uh with another supplier and you, you will never know it <laughs> they won't tell you mm. right? but they will know mm. and they will be careful about you and they will not go out of their way because they see you as a as a bad customer already a risky a risky customer mm. right so and rightly so yeah oh totally totally so yeah be careful your your track record speaks a lot so when you come in and say i want to partner with you uh you 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 get to kind of show that you are sincere in your way and you know you just do it in a fair way in a, mm. with a fair approach so that both parties come out ahead and uh, this is how I deal with the, the suppliers and blah 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 right and sometimes it works quite well for years and years and years because the, the manufacturer really pays attention that's really what you want right yeah pay attention they want your business they do communicate with you you have a, a high level person to communicate directly with you uh, so that yeah you don't waste time with a lower level person who lets problems appear and accumulate this is really critical mm-hmm. the kind of person that you're in contact with at the factory the the project manager or the merchandiser or the whatever they call it that's really really important so try to have a uh, try to have a good one mm-hmm. <laughs> it does make a huge difference yeah great this topic i mean it's it's somewhat in line with an earlier podcast series that we made about vetting the right supplier. So I'll share the link to those. There's maybe like nine or 10 episodes in that series. Mm. So if you want to go deep into finding the right Chinese supplier, there's obviously this episode, but there's loads more as well that we've discussed and written about. So as you mentioned earlier, there will be some more related topics in the show notes. But aside from that, Renault today, a good one. And yeah, something to think about when you're trying to find the right supplier in China, for sure. So thank you. Mm, All right. Thanks a lot, Adrian. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. (laughs) 
Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share, because it will really help others discover us too.